Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you, God, that you have given us a community of worship. Thank you for the, the place you've given us to meet, the people that you've given us um, to, to be with, to lead. We're grateful. And now I pray, Lord, that we look to you. We, we, would, we would ask you what, what you have for us this coming year. Give us hearts that we respond with joy, with excitement, and um, Lord, encourage us tonight. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so thinking about this kind of vision Sunday, the first thing I thought of was Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about the book of Acts a little bit later. My mind's kind of going there a lot these days. And Paul and Barnabas have an interaction that I really love because it feels real, it feels genuine, and it just feels like something you do in a church. In Acts chapter 14, um, the church at Antioch was, was, was raising up leaders, people that they saw as going out into the world, and Paul and Barnabas were right at the front of that, and they went out, and then they came back. And here's what they said in chapter 14, verse 27. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. So the idea is they went out on this missionary journey and they came back and they simply sat with the church and told them what God did, what, what he was doing in these people's hearts and lives. And, and I thought this, this is not probably something that was some clinical, boring type of activity. I think it, of it more of like, you know when you come home from a trip and you've had this experience that you're so excited about and you just want to share it. You just want to share what happened on this trip. Lori and I do this when one of us goes on a trip without the other and comes home. And you're like, you know, you, you sit down for dinner. Sometimes we go on a long walk or we go out to celebrate and we just talk and just say, yeah, and then I, then I did this and we planned to do this, but something else came up and on and on and on. You talk about the exciting things that happened, the things that were scary, the things that were painful, and you just share what went on. That's what I picture happening with Paul and Barnabas and the church at Antioch. They had this great time of just exciting, sharing, asking questions, telling about what God has done. Then they stayed for a while, it says. They, they, they stayed and interacted with the church. And then at the end of chapter 15, we see in verse 36, it says, After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. So they were back for a time, and then they headed back out. They, they went out for more adventures that God had for them, more ministry that he had, more times with the churches that they planted together. In effect, they had a vision of what God was telling them to do. They made goals. They made plans, right? In verse 36, it said, we're going to return and visit all these churches. So they came home and reported to the church. Then they went back out. It's kind of what we're doing tonight, okay? I, it, it's like we've, we've done 2019, and we're just taking a night to say, what did God do? It, it's kind of a blur to us sometimes, right, of, of what exactly happened in 2019. For me personally, it, it was a blur, and I sat down and looked at my calendar and notes and goals that we set last year, and it was actually super encouraging. It, it's something that we need to remind ourselves. Some of us even, you know, we have these memories that, that tend to remember the negative things in life. We have to set before us what God has done. So I want to do that tonight. And then as we head back out into 2020, I want to look a little bit of what God has for us in this upcoming year. Some, some things that as, as the board and I have prayed together, as we gathered a group of ministry leaders together, I've been praying about these sorts of things. What God has put on our hearts that we are to be about 
in 2020. I'm going to talk about goals and vision for year to come. Here's my prayer for you and for me, okay? First of all, my prayer is that as a community, as a church, we would be super encouraged about what is God is doing in our midst. And then we'd be excited about what's to come in 2020. I think that's so important for any church to be encouraged by God, to be excited about what God is doing, and over and over again. Here, here's what it does. Because of these two things, being encouraged and excited, each one of us, you, would be all in for what God is doing here at The Rock, both in your personal life as a member of this church and corporately as a church together, what we have the opportunity to do with God, in his name, by his power, with his vision. That's my prayer. That's what I pray happens tonight. Before we get into it, before we look back on 2019, there's an important reminder of just what we've established as a church as what is our mission? What does God have us do in the big picture? All we do, any goals we make, who we are, our very identity comes down to this. And if we see it up on our screen, our mission here at The Rock is to know God, to love people, to make disciples. That, that's right out of the book of Acts, really. And that, that's kind of, kind of exciting as we're approaching Acts. How do we do it? That's our vision. How we do those things. Knowing God through Bible-based teaching, and, and that, that's included in both sermons, in our small groups, everything we do, and spirit-led worship. We're led by the Holy Spirit of God to worship God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. So knowing God through Bible-based teaching and spirit-led worship, loving people through acts of service, and a community of fellowship, all in order to make disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're making disciples through knowing God and loving people. Okay, so let's get right into what God did in 2019. And last year, at this very time, I used an acronym to think about our goals for the year, and the acronym was simply GOAL, G-O-A-L. So looking back on each of these, um, e each of these words of the acronym, we're going to see what actually happened. Not just what I laid out, but what actually happened. So the first is genuine worship. And a, a lot of this stems from reading um, Francis Chan's book and thinking about letters to the church of just what our goal of the church is. And it's to worship God. So one of the things we wanted to do last year was have genuine worship. The first way we wanted to do this is to strategically embrace who we are. We're small, we're intimate, we're personal, we're able to do things on a smaller level that bigger churches can't do. So we wanted to lean into that. And some of the things we did, I, I just put some pictures up here. We, we had a beach service, um, and that was I mean, it was awesome. We, we dedicated Dylan Wiley. We, we had this time of worship on the beach. One of my favorite parts, I forget who it is. Maybe, maybe someone can remind me. But, but some guy was walking by, and he just kind of walked up, and, and, I, and I saw him coming. And he kind of leaned in and said, like, hey, what's going on here? And whoever it was that he was talking to said, yeah, we're just having church. And that, that made it worth it for me, that we were just out there. So we were able to do a beach service. You can go on to the next slide. Um, we had a Christmas service in the Wiley's home where we just gathered together and worshiped and had our Christmas party. And the next slide, we had baptisms um, in the Molesky's backyard and had this, this service where we were able to just be in a yard and do church. This is different from what we've done in the past where we just didn't have church in the building and we went places and did it. And um, I believe... It encouraged our community of people to say, this is what church is. When we gather together in his name, no matter where we are, and we're together, we're worshiping, we eat together, and that's what we did. So that was 
how we strategically embraced being small last year, and, and I love it, and we, we can do it some more. Secondly, in genuine worship, I, I shared that my prayer is I could personally preach to reach people's hearts, and it was part a personal sort of a, a, a goal that I made for myself that, that the Lord would grow me in that, but also we talked about how preaching is a two-way street. It's never just kind of a unilateral thing where I say some stuff and it just goes out there. Preaching in the Bible is designed for us to receive God's word. So, so my prayer is that, that the preaching would reach hearts in such a way where there could be an ongoing response to his word. And so I preached from the book of Ephesians in January through March, and then we did a sermon series in Genesis April through December. So I pray <laughs> that that stuff happened, that, that, that we were able to hear God during those times. And as a church, this is one of what I believe our core, core values is, as we're knowing God, is that we would find life in God's word. We would find answers in God's word. We would find the great, wonderful love of God in God's word. We would find hope for our lives in God's word. And ultimately, we would find God himself as we open the Bible and study his word. So I'm thankful for opportunities to preach through these books and, and God using me and you in his work of knowing him. The second was ongoing service, G-O, ongoing service, and what we're doing. And the first thing I want to do is looking back at 2019 to recognize everyone who volunteered for anything at The Rock. And the beautiful thing at a small church, I'm looking around this room going, yeah, thank you, everyone in this whole room, for volunteering in different ways to make this church go, to be used of God to do things. Everything that people do in this church matters because it's in God's name and in God's service that we're doing them. Thinking about ongoing service, we had direct service um, to Family Promise four different weeks in 2019. In July, we went to the Homes and Hope Ministry, some of us in the church, and, and built houses. Just an ongoing way that we serve as well besides just making this church go. Financial gifts, and, and this is so important, I think, that when we, when we give to the church, we, we of course give in such a way to make this church go, to pay staff and rent and things like that. But one of the things I get so excited about is part of our budget every year, at least 10% goes elsewhere, goes somewhere else. And that's a beautiful thing. I, I mean, if we just think more and more of outside of ourselves, how we can bless others. That's powerful and that's beautiful. So our, our gifts went to different um, ministries in different places. And I think I have uh, the Lucas family up here. This is a pretty recent thing. You can't really see it on this, but it says Malaga up there. Um, I know Jamie was just there visiting. I, I'd call her up if, if I had warned her, but I, I won't do that. Um, the Lucases are there. They're serving. God has them doing ministry. And that's exciting that we can come alongside of them and support the ministry in Spain. We also gave to the ongoing work of Mercy's Village in Uganda. Uh, we gave to Hope Zone. It's a ministry in the red light district of Tijuana. And this is a picture, uh, this is just from last Christmas, right, Miles? Yeah, this is just last Christmas. And you can see our friend Yezi up there and all of the, the children and adults and families represented. Uh, I got a chance to visit there when we were down there in July. And you guys, it is a beautiful, powerful thing that God is doing in that area. There, there is ministry going on that is um, shocking. Apart from God, that doesn't happen in an area like that. And we get the, the great blessing of giving toward that. We also gave to Homes of Hope, the, the house build. We gave to the ministries of the covenant, the, the National Evangelical Covenant Church, 
And it's hard to express to you guys um, how powerful some of these ministries are from globally to domestically to, to raising and training churches to planting churches. All the ministries that God is doing in the covenant are amazing, and we get to give to that. So, so in essence, we get to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves, and that's exciting, and that's good, and that's important of who we are and what we do. And we also finally gave to the ministries of the PSWC, the Pacific Southwest Conference of, of the Covenant. And just to share with you a little bit, some of the, the things our money went toward is the Ignite ministry is um, I, I mean, it's kind of near and dear to me as one who has gone through seminary. It is training pastors from North Park Seminary in Chicago locally. So in the old days, what people had to do is stop their lives, go to Chicago for three years to study and get their degree, and then set out in ministry. And oftentimes, that burdened people with incredible debt to go into a profession where they're not going to make much money. It wasn't a sustainable system with the way education is going in this modern day. So the PSWC, our conference, said, we're going to do it differently. And what we're going to do is we're going to split the cost three ways between the individual, the church, and the conference. And we're going to bring seminary to the people. Okay, so they are in their third group, third cohort of, of this seminary, and it is the model that seminaries around the country are now looking at because it's training people in such a way where they don't have to go elsewhere to do it. They can stay where they are. And what is especially encouraging, it is giving seminary educations to pastors that are, are in economically challenging situations. They, it is like increasing um, pastors of color being able to go to seminary and people who are not English speaking to be able to get seminary as well. It is a powerfully important, good work the PSWC is doing, and we get to partner in that. By the way, our, our friend Pastor Israel from Harbor Covenant Church has just started the Ignite program, which is a, a blessing for that church and for him personally, and it is a good thing. There's a bunch of other things the PSWC is doing. Uh, Paul Wilson, the director, he's spoken here, and he is a unique cat, but he has great ideas, and he kind of gets them started, and then people follow up and, and, and work and do it. So that's where some of our money is going in this ongoing service that we're doing here at The Rock. A, G-O-A, assist planning the Harbor Covenant Church. And I think we have a picture here. And Lori and I got to be here with, with some of the people from the harbor. It's hard to see. But up on the stage, there's two or three um, churches that are being planted. And the whole conference gathering of pastors is praying for them up on the stage. This happened in April. And they started uh, preview services soon after that. Here's how we came alongside of them in, in 2019, assisting them. We had a joint worship service here at The Rock on March 10th. Uh, some of us went over uh, and mentored their church on finances with their launch team in March. We attended a preview service. We didn't have service here. We just went out and were with them June 16th. Uh, Lori and I took on the role of mentoring Israel and Ray in their marriage. Keep praying for us because we need to get better at, at doing it on a, on a regular basis. And as a church, we gave $3,000 toward the plant. So it is great, and we're assisting doing that. And I'd encourage you guys, maybe we'll go as a church again, but I'd encourage you guys, they meet at 10 o'clock every Sunday just to pop in and, and encourages them. And uh, God is doing a work in that church. So basically what the program is, is they planted this year, then they had their official launch uh, January 5th. So in, in, the way it works is the covenant gives them money for three years in kind of a decreasing thing. So they're becoming independent like this as the covenant decreases. So that's where they're at. And I would, I would say they're doing great. 
They're doing great. They're, they're, they're rolling along. They have challenges. Uh, they have joys. Uh, they're reaching out into their neighborhood, and we'll keep praying for them. L is loving neighbor, G-O-A-L. And uh, this was instituted, the 2468 challenge. Okay, we talked about this in the first half of the year. Um, just challenging every individual to have two intimate relationships with people where you talk about Jesus. Four people you invite for a meal, six people you invite to church, and eight people you pray for on a regular basis. This is something that you guys know in your own hearts, kind of where you're at and what you did and how you interacted uh, with this. Um, so in a sense, everyone can assess their own personal results. I pray that we continue to just simply make this a lifestyle of loving people in Jesus, of inviting them to church, of praying for them, having people over for meals. I, I believe, and this isn't, this isn't a put down, but it's an ongoing challenge for us at The Rock just to be outward. And so, so I, just, I just ask you to bring that before God because that is where the power lies in how we do it. Because I feel weak in doing it. I imagine you feel weak in outreaching sometimes. But God is our strength. And we can ask him to be with us and he'll continue to meet us in that. 2019, um, at the end of the year, I'm encouraged, you guys. I'm just thinking about walking through some of that stuff in a little church like ours. We were able to do good work. We did work here at The Rock in, in 2019, which tells us that God is at work here at The Rock. And that's encouraging. Okay, that, that should be encouraging. Individually, I'm able to know all of you guys, and I see God working. I see God working in your hearts and your lives and the way you think and pray and interact with challenges in life and with joys in life. God's at work in your hearts. He is. Be encouraged. And then corporately as a church, I believe we're growing more and more as a church as we set out these goals of reaching and trying with God's help, to do good work. So be encouraged for 2019. All right, goals and vision for 2020. Here we are, 2020, and we want to think about what God is doing coming up. Obviously, we don't know what the results will be. Paul and Barnabas had no idea what the results would be as they set out on their second missionary journey, right? but they made some plans of here's what we're going to do. And then God met them in different ways. So the vision and goals that I want to talk about just fall under the categories of knowing God and loving people. Obviously, both with the, with the purpose and goal of making disciples. So the first thing, when we think about what God has for us in 2020, what our vision is, is under the category of knowing God, okay? And there's three main goals here. The first is this. I'm going to start a new preaching series in the book of Acts, and we're going to start next week. We're, we're, we're going to dig in, and you guys, the book of Acts is long, all right? This is a year-long journey we get to enter into, but just because it's long doesn't mean it's a bummer. It's exciting. The, the book of Acts is tremendous when we think about the idea of the acts, what they did, what the disciples did, the acts of the disciples. And it's more exciting when we think about it in terms of this is the acts of the Holy Spirit, what God was doing in the early church. I want you guys, every one of you, to connect with the book of Acts. As individuals, to, to like be in that world. Think about what was going on. Think about these real people living life in this way where God was just doing crazy things. I want you guys to interact with it in a personal way. That, that, that's my prayer. We're going to be in this together for a year, 
So let's really go for it and just dig in with what's going on. So I want you individually to be in it, and I want us corporately to be in it. Because these are churches we're talking about God doing work in. So we can, as a church, we can see some principles going on here. I'm not saying that it's normative of whatever happened in the book of Acts is going to happen here. It's usually not the way it works, okay? But there are principles that we can look at and go, I'm in. I'm going to do it. I'm with you, God, in that. In Acts 2, verse 43, it simply said, the church was in awe of God. You know what, you guys? When we go through the book of Acts, I want to be in awe of God. This, this isn't just some little storybook story. We can approach this in such a way, even in spite of the preacher, where we can be in awe of God. God is at work. He was at work back then in gnarly circumstances that there's no way a church should have grown in. And God is at work in our hearts now. So knowing God through our Acts preaching series. Secondly, this, this, uh, the board and kind of some ministry leaders we got together, we identified something that we think would be amazing in 2020 is to, as a church, be involved with something devotionally together. Okay? And, and as we were talking about that, I had no idea what that looked like exactly. So I was praying, God, what does this look like? And I saw some things going on along the way. One, one of the things is uh, some of the men were doing, um, to call it an online devotional through the U version of the Bible, and Matt Grimes is gathering people together. And that's happening. And it's really neat to see. I'm, 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 I'm part of it, watching from the outside. I, I talked to a few different people that were looking at this devotions, and they were really excited about doing it together. And I talked to individuals about their plan for devotions, and I thought, this is not something I'm going to say, stop doing that. <laughs> Don't do it, because it's beautiful. And, and it's a great picture of the body of Christ at work. And quite frankly, I wasn't feeling God's leading in terms of just simply devotions of what this meant, what we were called to do. So, so as I was praying more and more, specifically, it was Bible reading. That, that's what it was, Bible reading. And I decided, well, I didn't decide. I got a mailer. And if you know me at all, when mailers come across my desk, they, they come across very quickly into the circular file, okay? I got a mailer from Tyndale Publisher saying, come to lunch, and we're going to talk about this program called Immerse, and it's about Bible reading. And it was one of those things like, all right, God, <laughs> you know, I, can, I can give up a, a lunch to go hear this. And I also knew that the covenant had some very specific materials in making deep and disciples about this church-wide Bible reading. So I went, I went to this, this lunch, and there are a bunch of pastors there, and uh, this guy from Tyndale Publishers gets up and starts talking about the Immerse program, and, and I'm, I, like, I'm thinking, like, I like what he's saying a lot. And then he said, you know what? We're going to look at vi a video of a denomination who this program has been amazingly successful in, and he pops on the video, and it is Michelle Sanchez from Making Deep and Disciples of the Covenant Church talking about the very same program, Immerse. And that kind of is like, all right, God, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can sense that you're doing something in, in my thinking here. So I paid careful attention at this seminar about the Immerse program, and I was encouraged. Okay, and I want to encourage you a little bit in what they're setting out for churches to do together in reading the Bible. The bad news is first. They talked about this um, cycle among individuals and churches as they get all gung-ho in January and say, we're going to do a Bible program and we're going to read through the book of, you know, read through the Bible in a year or 90 days or stuff like that. And, and what they found 
And by the way, I love that stuff. (laughs) I've offered it here and I encourage you to do it. But what they found is those programs produced a lot of guilt and shame and defeat. Just being real. And and they, they did all this homework and people had negative feelings about reading the Bible because of their past failures. Okay, maybe that resonates with some of you. Um, And so they wanted to devise a way, how can we do this in a way where that's not the case? This is the word of God. And so they, through through all kinds of of research and homework and test stuff and and the things they do, um, Tyndale and then the Covenant did it with different churches on their own, came up with three principles that were highly successful in people reading the Bible where they felt encouraged and empowered and successful, okay? And the three principles are this. The first of the thing, first principle is read big, meaning people tend to read the Bible in little segments, in the segment here and here and here and chapters and verses, and they're all over the place. And they found when people had the opportunity to read big, meaning the Bible as a, as, a, as a continual narrative story, they were more successful, okay? So the Bible that they're putting together for this program doesn't have verses, doesn't have chapters, and it's set up in terms of themes rather than from beginning to end, you know, Genesis through Revelation. For me personally, I struggle with that. I, I do. I'm, I'm like a, a linear guy, <laughs> right? But, but I've, for the past maybe three, four weeks, have been just going through the, um, the, the, this one right here. This section that they simply call Messiah, and it's Luke and Acts and some of the New Testament letters with no verses, no chapters. And um, it is in the NLT, which is a very readable um, uh, translation, I believe is designed for a fifth grade le- reading level. And you, you might say like, oh, pfft, oh come on, I'm, I'm an adult. I don't want that little kid stuff. It's really good. It's really good, you guys, because it's just readable. Okay. So read big. They, they ask the question, how many hours do you think it takes to read the Bible from beginning to end? How many hours? And there, there are some guesses. Tyndale has discovered Someone reading this translation that doesn't have a high reading level can read the whole Bible in 80 hours, which sounds really like, I don't know, does it sound big or small to you? 80 hours sounds like a lot, but then most be like, oh, not much. I, I, I did some math. You can proud of me. <laughs> and 80 hours translates to about 13 minutes a day. Okay, that's if you read the Bible in a year. What this program is designed to do, they want you to read and comprehend and talk about it, so they stretch it out over three years. This is doable, you guys. This is doable. Let me say it this way, that you guys are motivated by guilt, okay? Do you know how long it takes to binge watch The Office? (laughs) 99 hours. (laughs) 99 hours. And um, I I think I've seen every episode, right? You, You guys probably have too. Hey, they have a plan. Do it over three years. They they have a method. There's six distinct portions of the Bible where you do it in the fall and in the spring. Read big. Also, they said, read real. Reading with our lives in view. Kind of this application model. And this sentence really got my attention. It said, read the New Testament as first century readers answering 21st century questions. That's a good way to look at the Bible. Think about it in terms of what they're communicating for them back then, answering questions, the same questions we have about life now. The Bible's never divorced from our real, actual lives. Let's let's read it that way. And then third, and this, this one I love, it's reading together. The Bible was meant to be read in community. Right? When, when they got the New Testament letters, they read it in church. The Bible talks about us publicly reading the scripture. 
all of the Bible is designed for us to live our faith before God together. That's what the church is all about. And experience tells me that's where it's at. Doing our, our faith in God in community. The American Heart Association did a study. And th this is something that points to how God created us. They, they did a study on um, quitting smoking. And people who try to quit smoking alone have a 7% success rate. Isn't that depressing? That's really, that's kind of depressing. But if they're in a support group, if they're doing it together with other people, the success rate goes to 43%. That's a massive jump. That's a massive jump. It, it, it kind of tells us how hard it is to quit smoking, right? So if you can go from 7% to 43%, just because you're in community, that says something about the way that we're designed that supports what God tells us anyway, that we are to do our faith in community and we are to read in community. So for us at The Rock, thinking about Immerse, the way they design this is to have not a Bible study, but they just call it a book club. It's designed to read together and invite people in a pretty non-threatening way just to simply read the Bible together. So I'm proposing we do it this way at The Rock. Starting in April, we start a book club um, going through Immerse. And I understand that you guys are involved in Bible studies, you guys are involved in prayer, you guys are involved in your, your family stuff, you guys are involved in life and all these things. I get that. If you can do a book club, do it. If you can't, don't worry about it. But I'm encouraging us all to do our Bible reading at the same point, at the same time, together, because there's also something encouraging by coming to church and saying, hey, how's it going reading the book of Acts? How are you doing? How's it coming? We're going to do it together in that sense. Yes, coming together, being a part of a book club, great. But we're all going to do it together. And the goal is to be reading the Bible together in 2020. It's the Immerse program. And the third way, knowing God more, is storytelling. This is what was identified in, in, by the board in this group. Paul and Barnabas simply told the story of what God is doing. That's all they did. And I think they did it in a pretty non-threatening way before the church. Obviously, those dudes had no problem with public speaking. We can do it in this church. We can do it um, when we have design times in our service, as we do often, spontaneous times in our service. Uh, people other than Sherry Molesky can come up here and spontaneously share what God is doing in their lives. But listen to this. Also, in at-home Bible studies and prayer groups, just sharing one another with what God is doing in your life is powerful. And one-on-one -on -one meetings as individuals. So let our goal be to tell God's story about what he's doing in your hearts and in your lives. It encourages us as storytellers when we do that. It encourages others. And that's what I want to highlight here. You guys have to understand when you tell your story about what God is doing, and like I said, it doesn't have to be up here at the podium. This can be in a small group Bible study or, or something like that. It encourages people more than you know, more than you can possibly understand. It encourages others when you tell them your story. I need to know this more and more. I'm getting better at it, but I'm not very good at it. It encourages other people. Think of it this way. You encourage your, your, your coworkers, your children, that sometimes the best things in life are when you do hard things. When you do things that are out of your comfort zone. I'm encouraging you in 2020 to do hard things out of your comfort zone, telling people your story about God because it blesses them. Don't even make it about you. It blesses other people, and ultimately, it blesses God himself. Okay, moving on to loving people. That's knowing God. We're moving on to loving people in at least two ways. The first, we identified evangelism training. The Billy Graham Ministries did a survey, and they talked about Protestant church growth in the United States. 
And 59% of churches they, they interviewed were declining or plateaued. 31% had growth largely through transfers. So that's 90% of the churches in the United States were either not growing at all, the majority, or people were just going from church to church to church, and then we marked down that we're growing in some way. Okay, 90%. 10% were growing largely through conversions. That's amazing. That, that's a church that I look at and say, God, thank you for doing the work in that church. And I want to throw out there how exciting it would be if God chose to ro the rock to do that kind of growth. How exciting it would be to be part of the 10% that are actually growing because people are coming to Christ. Baptizing. Our goal in 2020 is to engage in evangelism training in order to help achieve this goal. God's going to do the work ultimately, but we are tools that he uses and we need training. We, we, we need help to accomplish that goal. So, so what, what's going to happen is Nancy Grimes and I are going to participate in an alpha program in the spring. And we're going to share more about exactly what that is. <laughs> but basically, it's evangelism training that can be done in homes in a non-threatening way to friends, uh, with friends and neighbors and that sort of thing. It's designed to train and help in evangelism. And then the goal is to have the first core alpha group in the fall of 2020 here at The Rock and see what God does. It, it, it takes faith, it takes us being brave, and it takes us just doing it. But to be part of the 10%, even if we grow by two people, or 10 or 20, would be amazing. So I wanna pray for that. I wanna see people know Jesus. Finally, then I'm gonna bring Kaz up here. Uh, um, in, in, the, in the idea of loving people, giving, serving, how we budgeted uh, our 2020 giving. Okay, Kaz might talk about this a little more. I might steal what you're going to do, um, but I get to talk first, so sorry. <laughs> um, over $30,000 of our budget is toward giving it away to other people. I love that. Maybe it'll be more next year, but, but I love what it is. Here's how it's going to be done. First of all, continue giving to the covenant, to the PSWC. Secondly, giving, continue giving to the Lucas family. Continue giving to the Harbor Covenant Church in their second full year. Um, continue giving to Hope Zone Ministries we talked about and Homes of Hope Ministries. Here's what's new. And this is something that I don't know what it means. But I know God is poking us in a different direction. And we're calling this line item giving toward an India exploratory mission, simply meaning there's something going on between this church and ministries in India. First, evidence of the Holy Spirit speaking to us in this way. I've had individual conversations with, with people who have heart for ministry in India, and I think that's amazing. Secondly, um, our friend from New Song LA, Covenant Church, Manoj Mathai. He is um, Indian um, in his ethnicity. He's been going to India, doing work. I've had good conversations with him on, on this subject, and I've asked him to come preach here on March 22nd. So now I said to you, I can go back to him and said, sorry, man, I told my whole congregation, so you're coming, you have to come. And he's gonna share a little bit about what he's doing in India, what New Song LA is doing in India, and what the Covenant's doing in India. The third thing, and this is something we are going to do as a church, there's an organization through Covenant World Relief in India through a local Covenant church in India called Home of Hope. I'm not kidding, Miles. It's called Home of Hope. Okay, And what the design is, it is women who were previously in the sex trafficking trade are given jobs out of that trade to make communion wafers, and then sell them to churches in the United States. Isn't that beautiful? That's an amazing thing. So March 1st, when we take communion, we're going to take it with the crackers that these women 
are making. I mean, you can see what they're doing, and then you can see like the big stacks of, of what they're doing. They're presently sending them to us at The Rock, and we are going to take communion with those crackers starting March 1st to support this ministry and these women who are able to get out of sex trafficking because they have jobs in this way. Something's going on in India. I don't know what it is, but we are putting money in our budget to say we're going to figure out what God has for us in 2020. 2020. What's God up to? Let's find out. So that's a lot. And we can talk about it later. And there's a meal that we're going to have. And we can, you know, circle up in chairs and have conversations and stuff like that. But be encouraged about what God is doing and be excited about what God is doing here in our church. And yeah, I'm going to bring Kaz up. Come, come on up and Kaz is going to share more about some of the business specifics. All right, your favorite part. Woo, budget. Uh, Mia, can, oh, you do. Okay, good. So, um, yeah, we have two things tonight uh, to vote on. I think Casey has some ballots. If you're a member, and he'll check you off if you are, uh, we're voting on whether Miles should be on the board or not. And he has some supporters in the back uh, with signs. And, uh, and then we have a budget. Yeah, there it is. Vote for Miles. And then we have a budget, a 2020 budget that uh, we've worked on. Uh, you can see behind me here. Hopefully you can read it. It's a little bit fuzzy. If you can't, feel free to come forward and, and look a little closer. Um, and I have it on my phone, so we can, we can kind of go through it at the same time as you guys. So the good news is um, last year, our budget, our budget for 2020, you can't see it up there. So, so let me just explain what you're looking at here. So it's 2019 actual is the first column, and that's what we actually spent in 2019. 2020 budget is what we're anticipating uh, for the 2020 budget um, beyond that. So, sorry, my Google Sheets here is not, there it is. Um, so the cool thing is right away, somehow we were able to, you can't see it here, but our budget's 295 for 2020. Uh, the budget for 2019, I think, was like 305, 315. So our budget actually went down. And that's based on we were able to cut some stuff uh, from operating expenses um, and uh, try to be a little better about being stewards of some of that stuff. And uh, so our budget actually went down. So that first column, you look at it, we've actually uh, spent, or the gross tied in was 290, which again is just amazing for the size of our church that we can have basically $300,000. Um, come in is, is unreal uh, to be able to have the amazing staff that we have and um, with everybody here. So that's, that's a blessing. Uh, so the actuals on the left and the budget and the budgets on the right. So the, so I keep going back and forth on the mic here. Um, so it's two, 295 is our new budget and you can go down the columns and see on the left kind of what we spent in 2019, on 2020, where we're going to go with it, we kind of did a 3%, uh, we did like a, basically a 3% um, increase in staff salaries. Uh, our rent usually goes up uh, by a certain amount that is part of the operating cost you'll see up there. Everything's kind of uh, broken into category by, uh, you know, money in, and then we, then we send the money out. We have denominational money, like Kurt talked about, missions and benevolence. And then we have like payroll and personnel, which is a large chunk of that. And then operation costs, to, uh, it's like rent and anything that's in, involved with the business of running a church. And then the ministries are the in-house, you know, children's, youth, worship, men's, women's, local outreach. So last year, we actually spent 277 729 And uh, so we actually had a, a surplus in our budget of $12,000, which is not totally true. And Ryan, could, I won't ask you about it, but the benevolence that we, that we spend uh, is one thing where we have this like shadow account that we've given to, we kind of give that out. And then also we, for, we didn't, we're not, well, maybe we're showing Mercy's Village. We accidentally forgot to pay Jamie money for Mercy's Village in 2019. So then we, then we corrected that, right? And so, um, yeah, exactly. We're still, we're still in the plus, which is amazing. Um, and so we just kind of adjusted some numbers. You'll see it's 295 now. Uh, on the right, you'll see the column with all the different expenses down the, down the board there. We've shuffled um, a little bit as far as missions and what we're giving to you. And Kurt covered that. I didn't have that, so that's good that you covered that. Um, and then, um, yeah, so our, our budget we're proposing to you guys is 295, which is lower than last year's budget. 
and are, we're anticipating about $294,000. Did I really leave? Yeah, I put the 38 cents on there too. That was kind of dumb, but um, that's our exact number we're anticipating. Um, so pretty straightforward. And so uh, do you guys have any questions? I might, did I not cover something specifically or anything that, anything that jumps out at you that doesn't make any sense or? Very exciting. Matt. Uh, Ryan, do you know? Uh, what do we have in reserve is a question. Like in, this, in savings, you mean right now? Hundred to 120 somewhere. Million dollars. <laughs> There's like nobody here tonight, huh? That's pretty funny. Just looking. <laughs> Budget meeting, woo! <laughs> we are the right people, but yeah. I know. Yeah, we spent zero dollars last year on men's ministry because we didn't go to Hume, but I think we're doing something this year. We've invested a large chunk in, in uh, miles for uh, Borge t-shirts. You might have seen them around Manhattan Beach and that vote for Pedro uh, font. Um, so that's it. So uh, if there's I'll wait, any other questions at all? Um, so Casey's going to hand out the, bu the ballots, and then we need pens as well, which I think there's a can of pens back there somewhere. Mia, would you mind grabbing the pens? Is it tiny? <laughs> yeah, so budget, yes, no. Miles, yes, no. And then hand them back. I guess, Casey, would you fold them and then hand it back to you? Okay. And I'll vote, too. So that's my portion if no one else has questions. I think Paul is going to close us once we're done uh, voting. And Kurt's coming up also. I, I think now that we're voting, <clears throat> here, here's what I'd like to do. Do your voting. And actually... Let's, let's take a quick second to stop voting. <laughs> just, just hold your pens. And I am going to close us. And I'm going to pray. And then we can turn in our ballots. We can go eat dinner and just be together. And yeah, I think God, I'm like looking around going, God kind of designed this for just members tonight. And that's fine. That's fine, right? Um, but I want to encourage you, as we start into Acts, I want people to know what God did. It's crazy. It is nuts what God did. So, so next week, we're going to be here, and we're going to get started in that. We're going to do our voting, and we're going to have just a time where we can just eat together. So let's pray. God, thank you for, for family times like this. We're, we're grateful that we can talk about the work you've done. We can look forward to the work you're doing. We, we can think about the, the unlikelihood of a small church like ours, meeting budget, yet that's what happens through your work in people's hearts and generous, sacrificial giving. Lord, we're, we're so thankful and we want to acknowledge what's happened. We're grateful for this family of God, this community that you've put together. And, and I ask now, Lord, that as we eat together, um, we're reminded how often we eat together and how often daily that you provide for us. So we're thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.